Welcome to the Double Technical Podcast, everybody. This is your host, Lucas Fryman. I hope everyone had a fantastic weekend. We got not too much to talk about today. Um, obviously, majority of our coverage is going to be about the crazy NFL weekend and how mine, Bryant, and Michael's picks went down. It um, uh, how how do I how do I put this? It was crazy. <laughs> um, of course, your boy did the worst, um, and they did good, but. Uh, We'll talk about that in a little bit. As always, we start the show by talking about all the local teams and the local hour or segment or whatever you want to call this is brought to you by SeatGeek. Go to SeatGeek.com or download the SeatGeek app and use code DOUBLETECHNICAL for $20 off your first ticket purchase. So, first team I want to dive into, Kentucky football, um, which may surprise y'all since we haven't played a game or anything, but I, I just... Really quickly wanted to talk about how insane it is that ESPN did their final 25, top 25 rankings. And uh, remember, ESPN, their rankings do not matter. They pertain with nothing. They're not the Associated Press or anything like that. That does the actual rankings along with college football. Um, But they did rank their quote-unquote top 25 teams to end the year. And the University of Kentucky football team was not on that list. While four teams that Kentucky beat were. Just shows you how little respect this team got. We knew that they had little respect all year long when they kept picking against them, picking against them, and then finally they were right when we dropped a few games and they were seemed to be happy that they were uh, valid- validated. Sorry. Um, in their beliefs, but I just, I just had to share that with you. Um, it's just egregious. I mean, how, 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 how do they, you know, come up with this? Like, I, I don't know. I will never understand how they ranked that or why. And I can't wait to on Friday get Michael's opinion about that as well because you know he's going to have some words about it. Next, we're going to talk about Kentucky basketball, which I told y'all, I told you guys, I told Brian this, nobody listens to me. I was concerned about Alabama, but nobody else was concerned. And sure enough, you know, a game that we were expected to do well at we were competitive, but we were competitive too late, and we made some bad coaching decisions down the stretch by Coach Cow, um, wasting a timeout uh, that could have been saved for the end of game to get a better play set up, just a whole bunch of things. The score being as close as it is, Alabama won 77-75 to on Saturday over Kentucky. Um it it was only that close because we did finally get a good run at the end and they were missing free throws, but we just were owned all game. And it's just frustrating because coaching really did uh, inhibit us down the stress uh, stretch because Cal just, he, he wasted timeouts that he didn't need to do and really put us in a bad position when it mattered the most. 
Um, he took or he took a timeout after a free throw. That's what it was. Um, and then we also had an opportunity for a three, and we took an easy dunk. P.J. Washington, you know, a sophomore, he should know. Game situation, obviously easy too, but he had a man in the corner ready to shoot a three, which would have tied the game rather than still being down by one and forcing us to immediately foul. Little things like that is frustrating. It's just not good to start the SEC 0-1 and... Especially when everybody else thought that this was going to be a game that we were going to win and continue this run, especially after beating Louisville and UNC. I was very worried about this. I was very afraid we were going to overlook them. And that's sure enough what happened, and that's why we lost. So, the next game we played Texas A&M, who was 6-6. Six and six. That is uh, tomorrow at 7 o'clock. Uh, we are favored to win by 95%, according to ESPN. I definitely see us winning this game. Texas A&M is not a very good team. Uh, Their only wins of the seasons have come against really bad, really, really bad opponents. So, we should get back on the right course and become 1-1 in the SEC play, but it's just super frustrating that we missed an easy opportunity. This was a game... We should have won, but and we should have known that Coach Avery on the other side for Alabama has done a great job with this program. And yes, they don't have Colin Sexton and those other great players, but I knew that this Alabama team would be ready to play against Kentucky and put up a great effort, and they sure did, and were able to steal the W. Now, there was a little bit of uh, shots fired on ESPN Radio. I told Brian about this. I, I don't know if I told uh, Michael. Um, but uh, I'll paraphrase what this gentleman said is that his team, Alabama, um, beat the most overrated and uh, worst team in the SEC in Kentucky, which that wasn't cool. So just, just another thing to throw out there with what some of the ESPN personality thinks of um, you know, this school and this program. I mean, they don't like the Big Blue Nation, but that's okay. We don't need them. Next, we're going to talk about NKU. Uh, when we last talked about them, they had uh, lost to Oakland in heartbreaking fashion. But what was great is they came out Saturday against Detroit Mercy and and simply just demolished them. Um, the final score was ninety-five to seventy-three. Um, we did uh, give up one uh, Davis, who is the leading scorer for uh, Detroit Mercy. He went nuts, uh, dropping 33, but that was expected. But when he drops 33 and the next highest is 14, and then the next highest after that is only 9, that puts you in a good situation. UK, or I'm sorry, NKU went out there and dominated. Drew McDonald, 23, 5, and 3. Uh, Walton, 13 points. Sharp, 20. Faulkner, 10. Robinson, 10. Uh, Tate with 11 off the bench. Um, and he almost had a triple-double going. Eight assists, seven rebounds as well. Uh, you know, everybody played super effectively. We got better on our perimeter defense. Uh, we we cut down a little bit. I say a little bit on our fouls. We still were a little crazy. We had 19 compared to 14 by Detroit Mercy. Um, but nonetheless, 
We shot really good from the floor, almost 50, or we shot a little over 57% um, from the floor and 44% uh, from the three and limited them, them to only 43% from the floor and 35% from the three. All in all, great, absolutely great rebound. Yes, Detroit Mercy was not the greatest team as they were only six and uh, six and nine going into this matchup, but a win is a win. Uh, NKU, uh, the Norse moved to 13 and four, and then uh, we have a matchup against Wright State that I will talk about on the Friday show um, since it is Friday at seven o'clock. So good job, NKU. Nice rebound. Let's keep it up. Next uh, local team, I guess we, I'm, I'm not really going to talk about because there's not really anything going on per se is the Cincinnati Bengals. Obviously right now we, <laughs> it is just a coaching rumor mill. I mean, it's just, it's nuts right now in, in all honesty. Um, the people that we have interviewed for the position so far is Hugh Jackson, Vance Joseph, um, and we have a scheduled meeting with Zach Taylor, Shane uh, Waldron, uh, Todd Munkin, and Eric Benemy. Um, and then in other sad news that nobody wants, Bengals assistant, assistants Darren Simmons and Bill Lazor are also candidates for this position as well. Nobody wants to see that. Please hire an outside source. Like Brian said, please hire Eric Bellamy or Benemy because that just makes so much more sense and it, it's it's going to help, you know, make us fresh. And we just we need an outsider. We need someone that has not been tainted per se by this organization. So Please, 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 please go with someone outside. We need an outside candidate. But that is really it as far as all of the local teams. Um, like I said, the show is probably going to be pretty quick because not too much is happening right now with all of our seasons kind of, or two of our seasons ending with the Bengals and um, Kentucky football. But we do have basketball going on, so we got NKU and UK basketball to talk about. Um, baseball, not too much going on there, and we don't have an NBA team. So, unless you all want to hear me talk about my Miami Heat, who lost to the Hawks pretty badly, but Dwayne Wade had an awesome alley oop that Brian was pumped about. <laughs> Anywho. That is it for today's local portion. As always, again, brought to you by Seeky. Uh, just download the SeatGeek app or go to SeatGeek.com and use code DOUBLETECHNICAL for $20 off your first ticket purchase. Now, really quickly, I want to dive into a brief NBA news. And I, I say brief just because I want to give you my initial reaction. Tom Thibodeau uh, was fired um, after a 22-point win, which is very interesting, by the way, um, by the Minnesota Timberwolves. He was the coach and the team president. Uh, they decided to part ways. I, I feel like this is um, kind of been coming ever since the whole Jimmy Butler debacle. Um, and I think that Tom Thibodeau is, even though he was a great coach in the early years of D. Rose in Chicago, I don't think his coaching style and his managerial style works very well in the NBA anymore 
which is why I feel like he was relieved of his duties and ultimately why I, I find it very, very hard to see him getting another job in this league um, unless it's in a front office capacity where he has no real interaction with players. The players are different now. They don't like a coach that is running all over them. They like a personable coach, and that's just something that Tom doesn't at least uh, show to the world that that's what he's like. He he doesn't seem that way. So um, a very interesting time to do it, especially after a huge win and things like that. But um, if this upper, uh, th- this upper management thought that this was important, then you know they they need to do it when they can so they can start ch- uh, rechanging the culture it's going to suck for Carl Anthony Towns, Andrew Wiggins and a lot of the younger players that are on this team that have been progressing very very well but hopefully this change will be reinvigorating and they'll uh come out more inspired and really start to improve and take off Carl has done good but he could be so much better Wiggins, he, he's kind of hit a wall lately, and he really needs to get above that. And so I think that this is why the organization has decided to make the change. All right, now on to the thing that I'm sure everybody has been waiting to hear. Uh, well, my reaction. <laughs> uh, man, this, uh, this wildcard weekend was really exciting. A whole lot of fun. Um. Yeah, and your boy did not do good. I'm sorry. Uh, I've just, I don't know why that I've been struggling. But anyways, so obviously everyone saw the graphic, or at least I would hope you saw the graphic. Uh, Brian, Michael, and I gave our picks. And I'm going to go through the games, let you know who picked, and then obviously you'll know who was right and wrong. Um, and yeah. So. First game that we picked was the Colts versus the Texans. Brian and Michael picked the Colts to win this game. I decided to differentiate myself and be bold again with some of my takes, regrettably. And I really thought that the Texans would come out and defeat the Colts. I mean, they're the better team for majority of the year. But man, this Colts, like Brian was saying, and now I have realized, they're just on another level. I mean, their offensive line and defensive line play is probably the best in the NFL playoffs right now. I mean, the way that they get after the quarterback on the defensive side, the way that they're they're secondary, you know, they run a Tampa 3 cover 2 style, which is very interesting. uh, They use the zone the most out of anybody in the league as far as coverage. I think that after watching that game, it really shows me that Brian was right, that they have a legitimate shot to go pretty far. Because And then the, the offensive line, keeping Andrew Luck upright, giving Mack the ability to run. The man ran for almost a buck 50 in this playoff game uh, away. You know, we were in Houston for this. And the entire time, it looked like they were in Indiana because they just... You know, 21-7 to does not describe the dominance because they got them seven points in what was almost equivalent to garbage time, and they just, they had no chance. This 
elite defense for the Houston Texans with uh, Jadavian Clowney and J.J. Watts were no match for the offensive line. And then you flip it around and Deshaun Watson, uh, DeAndre Hopkins were no match for that zone coverage, that elite defense. I, I would not have thought at the beginning of the season, especially after the Bengals beat the Colts, that I would be describing anything about them as elite. Now, I thought the Houston Texans were going to be elite, and they were. I mean, they went 12-4, and but the Colts are clicking when it matters. Brian was 100% right there. Um, And now they get to face the Kansas City Chiefs in the next matchup, and Patrick Mahomes has not faced a defense like this as far as their zone coverage and the way that they like to play. And I think that that is going to be very interesting. We know that the Kansas City defense is not the greatest. And so Andrew Luck and Max should be carving them up all day. The ultimate question is, can Patrick Mahomes and that prolific Kansas City Chiefs offense stick and stay with them? Because we know that they... uh they have some very interesting matchups as, uh, you know, when they played a few years back and Andrew Luck went crazy to save everything. So, yeah, so I, I started off 0-1, and Michael and Brian both got that one correct. The next game on Saturday was the Seattle Seahawks versus the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, Brian and I picked the Seattle Seahawks while Michael picked the Cowboys. Um, this game was defensive dominant for majority of it on the Cowboys side. Uh, it was unbelievable the type of defense they were doing. They were rendering, rendering Russell Wilson useless. Um, part of uh, what really hurt the Seattle Seahawks was they lost their kicker, which, you know, you never think about as being big, but boy, it was big um, because it took away their ability to do a lot of things. Um, as far as kicking field goals when they were in field goal range, instead they would either have to try for the fourth down or punt it, which just sucks. Um, and then they also had a horrible offense, uh, onside kick because he had never done it before the punter. Um, but enough with the excuses for Seattle and why they didn't win. Dallas just did their thing. Their defense played very, very well. Um, Dak Prescott played very good, only one interception. He really only made that one mistake. Outside of that, he made great decisions, great great call to run at times uh, when he needed to, especially in the red zone, uh, right up the gut. Uh, and he just he he played extremely well. And then I don't I don't even got to talk about Zeke. Elliott out of the backfield uh, ran for one thirty seven, one touchdown. He he was what sealed the game demolishing that Seahawks defense, getting to the edge, stiff arming people, getting first downs left and right. (laughs) I mean, it was crazy. Um, This Cowboys team that me and Brian thought would falter like they always do because they they almost have that Bengal-like curse where they show up and then they can't do anything. Instead, this uh, ultimately ended up being... Uh, a great game for them. And the score was close because Seattle was able to get a, a touchdown with about a minute left. But the Cowboys pretty much had this thing secured as they won 24 to 22 
uh, in case I didn't say that. Thus making me 0-2 after the first weekend of wildcard. Um, Brian was 1-1, and of course, the guy who does not call himself an NFL uh, expert at all is 2-0 at this point. Very frustrating. Then on to Sunday. Uh, we had the Chargers versus the Ravens. That was the first matchup yesterday. Uh, all of us picked the Chargers. That was the only game that all three of us agreed on, and we all were held right as the Chargers won 23-17. to uh, this game was not close for a majority of it. Uh, Chargers were up twenty-three to I want to say three or twenty to three at one point that I uh, truly remember. And people were booing Lamar Jackson, which, by the way, you cannot flip on the guy that's taking you there. Yes, he struggled, but he's a rookie. This was the first time the man was only twenty-one years old. Today he's twenty-two. Happy birthday, Lamar Jackson. Um, but. Calling for Flacco and things like that. I'm kind of glad John Harbaugh stuck, you know, to his guns because you you got to stick with the person who got you, got you there, and that was not Joe Flacco at all. And so ultimately, even though people were upset, you know, when they were down big in the fourth quarter, Lamar tried to bring them back. He was able to throw two beautiful touchdowns when he only had an interception up to that point. Uh, Phillip Rivers did not do much, only 160 yards. Melvin Gordon only had 40 yards and a touchdown. It was a it was a strictly defensive game. A lot of fumbles on the Ravens. They had three consecutive fumbles on one of their drives, um, and it was a field position game. Chargers kept getting the ball in field goal range and just knocked it right through, and the Ravens just were never in a position to do that, which is why they were struggling. But then, like I said, Lamar let them down, got two touchdowns, and was about to lead them down for a potential game-winning drive when he gets strip-sacked, Chargers recover it, and game, set, match. So, it it was a good bounce back by Lamar. I give him so much credit for sticking with it and being able to go through that adversity uh, because those people were not... I mean, not at all happy with them and not happy with Harbaugh for sticking with them. But I'm extremely happy that they did, even though we got to play the Ravens. This was a good experience for him, and he ultimately almost led them on a comeback. Now, the Chargers got to play better offensively uh, if they want to survive against the Patriots next week. And that's just plain and simple, because if not... Uh, they're, they're not going to advance to the AFC championship like I predicted, uh, oh, so many weeks ago. So chargers go up against Tom Brady in Foxborough next week. Oh, I also forgot to say the Cowboys, by the way, to circle back Cowboys play the Rams in the Coliseum next Saturday, I believe so. Watch for that as well. That's going to be a very interesting matchup. Uh, the Rams have not been very great to end the season, and that Cowboys defense is what could potentially make all the difference. Lastly, the game that everyone really wants to talk about. By the way, up to this point, I was 1-2. Brian was 
two and one, and Michael was a perfect three and zero. Oh. We thought Michael was going to be able to pull one over on a skin because he got none of the college football wrong. He he's a perfect seven zero, oh. and tonight with Alabama versus Clemson, he could potentially go eight and zero. Uh, Brian would finish seven and one, and I've already finished three and five. So he could still be perfect in the college football. So me and Brian did not want him to go perfect in NFL when the man, like he's, he doesn't claim to know a lot about the NFL. So it's very frustrating when he is doing very well. And me and Brian, who I guess are blinded a little bit because of all of our quote unquote knowledge, you know, we were making some interesting picks comparatively. So he's three and O to this point, Brian's two and one. I'm one and two just really quick recap in case you forgot it after all my rambling. The last game of the wild card weekend was the Eagles versus the bears. Everyone knows where me and Brian stood on this as we gave, (laughs) as we so, uh, comedically gave our takes on how great the Chicago Bears are, how this is a prolific defense, and we choose the Eagles because Nick Foles. And, you know, that that's simply why we did it. And here was the last game, and Michael went against us. He chose the Bears, and me and Brian both chose the Eagles. And we were really legitimately concerned that this was going to be it. He was going to, you know, whoever he's picked has won up to this point. So we, we thought that that meant the Bears were going to the next round. But this was the craziest game and the most upsetting game as far as uh, fan bases go. Nick Foles uh, was able to lead the Eagles to a 16-15 victory. Fly, Eagle, fly. Um, to, to secure me and Brian being right and Michael being wrong. So really quickly, Brian and Michael both finished 3-1. and one. I finished 2-2. Two and two. Um, But this game was just outrageous. So it it was a very much a, a defensive battle throughout the entire game. Nobody was really doing too many great things. Nick Foles had two interceptions. Uh, he was just not playing up to the Nick Foles, Philly Philly level. Uh, Trubisky was playing great. I mean, he finished the game with 300 yards, uh, only one touchdown though, which that's the thing that kind of hurt them. Um. But, you know, we'll cut out all the in-between. The last minute is where all of the craziness took place and what led to this being the craziest game of the NFL weekend. So Nick Foles was able to get a two-yard touchdown on fourth down with 56 seconds left. That was a two-yard touchdown. They ran a really quick out route, and Golden State was just open because of how quick he is. I mean, he is, he is very speedy. Um, and then they were, um, they tried to go for a two point conversion, which came up short. So ultimately it left it at a one point game. So a field goal for the Chicago bears wins it. Um, they kicked it off to him. My, uh, Trubisky had a few really great plays down the field. Um, there was a beautiful, beautiful back shoulder throw in between two corners that he made that I never in a million years thought that Trubisky would be able to make. I mean, it was beautiful. It was a dime. And ultimately, he got them into field goal range with about five seconds left. He clocked the ball, and out comes their kicker, um, who I will not say his name because this man does not need any more infamy than he already has. And 
Um, his last name is Barky. Parky, sorry. And poor, this is where icing the kicker sometimes is good and sometimes is bad. He kicked the field goal, okay? They they snapped it. Uh, Doug Peterson had called timeout right before they snapped the ball. I mean, right before it. Uh, he kicked it. It went through. It was a little to the left, but it still went through. He had enough on it. But and I in my head, as soon as I saw that go through and I looked at him, if you notice, on that kick that he makes, he's shaking his head in frustration, uh, either because of the timeout, because he did his job and he hit the field goal, or because he did not like where the placement was, because obviously you want it to be down the middle to give yourself the best opportunity, and he was a little to the left. As soon as I saw him do that, I knew he was going to miss this next field goal because there was self-doubt and there was going to be a change to the kick that he was going to make that ultimately was not needed. And so the play for the game, uh, they snap the ball uh, and he, he goes to kick the field goal and doink, doink off the, the, um, off the post off the crossbar, back into the end zone, which, by the way, is a miracle in itself because usually anytime it hits off of both of those, it's gonna, odds are it's going to bounce in through. Uh, but God and faith was not with the Chicago Bears fan base right there as it bounced into the end zone and ended their playoff run and solidified Nick Foles and his magic powers as the Eagles move on to the next round to play the New Orleans Saints in New Orleans uh, where they got destroyed earlier this year. So it's going to be interesting to see what actually happens and if Nick Foles is able to lead them past the Saints. The Saints is, or they are, the favorites. So that's going to be interesting. But man, I the, the face of um, the Bears coach, uh, I am blanking on his name right now. Uh, but everyone knows that because it's been memed all night and all day since it happened last night. Um, just says it all. The fact that he cannot believe that he missed it, hit both goalposts. Like, uh, I just feel so sorry for the kid. You know, he he's trying to do his job, and sadly he did not. And there's a lot of things being questioned today. If you should be allowed to ice the kicker, and there was also a weird incomplete pass call and yada 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 but the thing is is the game is said and done you had a chance to win and sadly weren't able to hit a field goal twice essentially because he did hit the first one that didn't count um and yeah so now you know if you're philadelphia you go from philly philly to doink doink um as (laughs) the things that are most memorable about the playoff um yeah so that is what ended Michael McCarty's perfect uh, picking system thus far. Um, it was doink doink. Crazy game. <laughs> I mean, absolutely crazy. Uh, me and my wife were watching it, and it was just that ending was something special. So, like I said, Eagles going up against the Saints. That's going to be a very uh, interesting matchup. But obviously on Friday, hopefully uh, me, Brian, and Michael uh, will be able to break down the NFL divisional playoff rounds 
for y'all and let you know our picks for those games. So, yeah, I think that's everything that I wanted to talk about. Obviously, again, tonight, college football playoffs, uh, 8 o'clock Eastern. You have the Clemson Tigers going up against uh, the Alabama Crimson Tide. Uh, Brian and Michael picked Alabama to win this. I am (laughs) giving myself a chance to be wrong again uh, over the same game by picking Clemson to win this. So I'll definitely be watching tonight, and hopefully I can maybe rebound and – give myself a little pat on my back for guessing that Clemson was able to win, even though I got everything else wrong, but that's beside the point, right? But yeah, so I hope, uh, everyone enjoys, uh, the rest of their day. Uh, hope we have a great Monday, great week. Uh, and we'll be back here hopefully with the entire crew, Brian and Michael to talk to you about all the local sports, everything going on, um, and give you our NFL playoff breakdown. So. This is Lucas Fryman. This is Double Tender. What was that, guys? What was that? This is Lucas Fryman. This is the Double Technical Podcast. Follow us on Double Technical on any of the social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Just search Double Technical and you will find us. And please like and share um, any of our posts, especially the ones of the podcast uh, to help gain some exposure. Uh, we're, we're slacking a little bit behind. Um, but that's fine. We appreciate those who continue to turn out and we would just love for the opportunity to get more listeners. So we love the support. Um, and please, if you're able to give us some more, (laughs) all right. So everyone take care and I will talk to y'all with the crew on Friday.